to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a mother to two small kids, coach, writer, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi, friend, and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and that we can share this intimate little space together today. This episode is coming to you on Solstice Eve, uh, the day before the winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere, which is on Wednesday, December 21st this year. The winter solstice is, of course, the darkest day of the year. It is the longest night. It is a ecological marker that precedes all humanity. It's a rhythm that has existed in the skies long, long before us. It is something, these rhythms are things that we evolved with, that we witnessed as growing apes and humans and as modern people today. And in this episode, I want to offer some ways that you can be with this auspicious moment and remember what it means for you to be fully alive, not only now on the winter solstice, but throughout the winter and beyond. How to be more awake, how to be more in your body, not fumbling through life half asleep, but really growing stronger with the returning light. The day after the solstice, the light is going to continue to grow and get stronger and larger throughout the day until we reach the summer solstice in June. And so this is a sort of pivotal turning point in the year. It's a time when things are shifting. We have been growing, the darkness has been growing, and now we have this pause and things are about to change. There's a potential for change here. And it's really difficult sometimes to remember our aliveness and these sacred rhythms and the fact that we are humans who are our bodies are attuned to these rhythms it's difficult to do this inside a culture of death essentially where your aliveness is inconvenient it's misunderstood it's even actively sabotaged or starved but the darkness can show us where there is light, light that we may not have been able to see before. The darkness can show us where there is potential for us to come more fully alive in the coming cycle of the year. So I'm really excited to share some thoughts about this with you today and and hopefully ground a new sense of vitality in your body. Um, If part of your crossing the threshold of the solstice is a feeling that you are ready and committed to doing work that no longer drains you of your vitality, that squelches your aliveness, then I just want you to know that I am available for one-on-one support through my coaching program, if that feels like something you could use right now. I also want to share that I am writing a little book about the winter season and how to align with it in your body, in your heart, and also in your working life. And I'll share a little bit more about this at the end of today's episode. Before I dive in, I'll just invite you to take a breath as deep as is comfortable for you. And I'm going to start us off with our opening invocation. 
May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures that we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes, among many others, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. So before I dive into the winter, I just want to give us a tiny little reminder of where we've been, where we're coming from. We have been in the autumn season since around September 22nd. Every year that we have the autumn equinox when light and dark are equal and we shift into the new season of the fall, which of course is a time of growing darkness, a time of letting go and release and death where we are participating in an annual experience of death and and letting go and transformation. The earth is taking a rest. The plants have are dying back, not completely all the time, but but some of them are completely dying in order to be reborn in the coming spring. And if you're listening to this right around when it's released in December of 2022 or in December of future years, I just want to encourage you to drink in as much darkness as you can while it's still here and while it's still strong. The rebirth of the sun after the solstice is going to make the most sense in the cells of your body if you have attuned first to the power of the night and the blanket of the night that is coming over us each day at this time of year. If we can, the more sort of deeper that we go into each cycle, each season, the more that the next one can really feed us. And so I just want to offer that encouragement if you are listening to this um, close to the autumn shift. So on or around December 21st each year, the darkness has grown. It's the, you know, the longest night of the year, like I've said. And after this point, it will lessen and the light will grow until the summer solstice in late June. And so the winter solstice marks the first day of the winter season and the the shift into the lighter part of the year. In old stories and lore about the solstice, it's believed that this night marked the death of the sun, that people, you know, sort of danced in the metaphor that the night had conquered this luminary that gives us life, that sustains us, and that all hope is sort of lost, that, that it's possible that life may not continue, that that there's darkness now and that we're in a void and a new point in the creation cycle. And through the celebration of the sun, through making sun bread or bringing in the colors of fire and vitality by holding a vigil through the night and honoring the sun, praying that it returns, that people believed we could actually then bring it back to life the next morning and continue living. And that, you know, of course, I don't think people believe that was actually true, but we, by doing that, we work with the natural cycles and bring back our own aliveness. We experience our own potential and rebirth. And then from this day forward, of course, the light grows and grows and we work with the patterns of uh, conception and fertility and emergent growth and, you know, the fruition that comes in the summer. So it's a really, it's such an ancient, like, 
primal time and shift and it's hard to put into words but I think our bodies know what this means and our ancestors knew that it was important to click into this energy and line our actions up with the these cycles so that we could remember our own aliveness and the sun and the light that lives in each of us you know if we are made of stardust and dirt and the ex- if we're breathing in the exhalation of trees then we are going through this rebirth as well we are nature we are all of this we don't have to analyze it or overthink it but we can drink it in we can feel it sort of subsume us or flow through our bloodstreams and we can amplify it through our awareness and our actions so my intention with this isn't to give you like a whole bunch of things you need to do now on top of like holiday <laughs> shenanigans all the stuff that comes at the end of the year I'm, I'm not trying to add to your plate at all but I do think if you're feeling a little dry or a little asleep or a little low that this is a beautiful time and opportunity for you to just feel into your vitality um, and and consider where in your life you are in need of a rebirth and it's not the actual rebirth yet like the the thing will not be born yet or immediately but it's about the possibility the potential of rebirth where is there like a tiny pinprick of light or a little bit of hope in you about some new possibility some new way of living in your life some new way of working some new way of being in the world or being in your body so we're not trying to birth the baby yet or the thing or the project we're trying to open to the possibility of it and create a little bit of an opening there and one major area where we are in need of rebirth I think almost always in this culture and certainly collectively is the area of really remembering our aliveness and this is so um, for me this is becoming like a really prominent theme of winter remembering our aliveness the winter is harsh like the summer it is a long sort of more it's a more stable period instead of you know the fall and the spring are sort of these bridges and there's transition and a lot of movement and change the winter is has an edge to it where you know if you get caught out in a blizzard it's it's dangerous right you could die if you um, fall into a frozen lake you could suffer permanent damage to your body there is a um, there is like a danger a, a dangerous undercurrent to this season that I think is actually very healthy and beneficial to us because it reminds us of our own mortality and ingenuity and creativity and our desire to survive and that like innate primal drive the winter is also tremendously cozy and sweet right and we need both we need 
that time out in the snow and in the ice and feeling the elements in our bodies and feeling the sort of intensity of that season. And then we also need the time to warm and be integrated and have conversations by the fire. It's like if you've ever gone skiing or snowboarding, that just delightful experience of coming into the lodge after when you're just like cold and wet and you know having a warm beverage by the fire and just feeling like the relief and the warmth of that we need both of these things the the harshness and intensity and also the warmth and um, comfort And as a culture, I think we're sort of obsessed with the feeling of like having a hot chocolate by the fire, but not enough of us are really venturing out into the cold, feeling that intensity, that risk, feeling that awe that comes with being in a wild place or or not knowing what's going to happen or not being sure that you're going to be okay. We have many, many experiences in this culture of feeling unsafe And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you feeling um, abused by others or unsafe in your body or feeling um, run over by past trauma or anxiety or things that need true repair and healing. What I'm talking about is showing up as well as you are as an integrated person. We're all on different parts of that journey. Showing up in places where you feel your spot in the web of life where you feel where you where you remember that you're not dominant over nature that you're not superior that you're not above the wind or the snow or the grizzly bear or the deer right we have to feel into like the the equanimity of place in this web of life and the winter is a beautiful time to do that because the weather and the climate can be so harsh that it very quickly sort of takes us there and reminds us of our own fragility and the specialness and the preciousness of life. Not only that, but like the importance of our own heat source and having warmth and heat and fire and movement in our lives. So like I said, we need this we need both the harshness and intensity of that and also like the warmth and comfort of coming in and being inside and having shelter i'm giving some literal examples because i hope or i think many of you have probably had an experience of being out in the cold or being out in the elements and then coming back in but this doesn't have to be literal this season if that's not available to you i haven't gone skiing in years (laughs) but the winter is still a profound time in whatever ways we can to turn the volume down on what is familiar and comfortable and easy to turn you know even like turning down the heat in our homes and turning the volume up on what it is that reminds us that we are alive that reminds us of our vitality that gets us out of these habits and these familiar places and all of this comfort and into things that remind us of our bodies and of our our internal spark that keeps us alive and so this does often need to be physical because the body is sort of an entry point as a gateway to soul and vitality and that can look so many different ways whatever it needs to look like for you given your 
physical makeup or limitations or desires or the unique picture of your physical state right now. Putting ourselves in situations that do not feel completely safe or comfortable, whether it's snowshoeing, a walk in the night, or a hike alone, or running in a cold rain, doing things like that turns up our inner heat source. It makes the experience of turning inward then and integrating it by the fire so much more rich and rewarding. You know, in the fall preceding the winter, we have experienced death. That's real. I know so many of you have let go of things this autumn, whether it's literally letting go of jobs or projects or relationships or moving homes um, or just purging parts of your space or letting go of parts of your identity or letting go of things that you thought were going to happen this year that didn't come to fruition. I know that you are doing this work and even if it's not conscious, we're always shedding on some level, right? we we take showers, we cleanse, we, you know, exhale. There's always this letting go happening, even if we're not aware of it or desirous of it. But it's not quite time for the next thing to be born yet. The winter is a liminal period where we've let go of something and we're sort of in midair floating and we haven't landed into the next thing. And the way that we can work with this very unsettling place, but place with that is so ripe with potential, is to become a friendly home to whatever is going to come next, and showing ourselves that we are vital, that we are awake enough to receive what's next on our path, or to create it, or to see it, or plant it, or sing it. And again, this is going to look different for each of us, but In my experience, cultivating that aliveness seems to include a few key ingredients. I think it includes risk, that we feel alive when there is an edge to our experience where we're not quite sure what's going to happen, where we don't feel that sense of like just being, you know, in a safe, cozy place with a blanket and like we can assume that we're just going to stay comfortable for a while. I think aliveness requires some dance with risk. I also think it requires a sense of awe, where again, we are connected to something that is bigger than us. We are in a wild place where we're not um, dominant, where we're not superior, where we're not controlling, we're not able to control what's happening. It's the sense of being like in a storm or witnessing something that is just larger than each of us. I think it also, cultivating aliveness also includes or necessitates the body being in the elements in some way, that the body is um, awake to how much light there is in the day, or it is out actually in the rain or in the snow, or um, where the body is like moving and is in conversation with its environment. It's also, I think, a requirement that there is some measure of being awake to our experience so that we, in order to feel that aliveness, we need to be conscious of it and open to it. So risk, awe, the body being in the elements in some way and being awake to our experience are the things that I think can help us to cultivate 
real vitality this winter. And so that might mean actually getting your body moving out into the cold, going for a hike even though it's raining, going snowshoeing or skiing or sledding, um, or if you're in a warmer climate, you know, being out swimming in a body of water, being um, just just literally out of doors, out of walls, getting your body into the elements. It could be, you know, music or poetry or dance. It could be just feeling how you actually feel. You know, you are already alive. You are already vital. Sometimes we're just not conscious of it. Sometimes we can't even attune to how alive we are. Or it's painful to do so because that aliveness includes difficult emotions or um, patterns in the body that we're still acclimating to or um, illness in the body that we are learning how to tend and be with. But we're still here. If you're still breathing, you are still alive. You are still allowing the vitality of life to flow through you. And this is going to be a theme collectively, I think, in the coming year in 2023, because our, if you work with numerology at all or the tarot, our collective number, if you add up 2023, is seven, which in the tarot is the chariot. And the chariot is this phenomenon of learning how to let the force of life flow through you, to be a channel for it, to feel like your power and your movement and to work with it. And a lot of us are attuned to this at some level, of course, like I said, you are alive, you are aliveness in and of itself. But there are many false pathways to this, many ways that we trick ourselves into thinking that we're fully alive when we're not. I often think of this, and there's like no shame or judgment here, but I often think of this for people who are really into scary movies. Um, I can't watch scary movies because uh, those things don't leave my brain or my body and I feel as a highly sensitive person like I'm always I'm just like on high alert anyway but sometimes I wonder and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before I wonder if like this obsession with like violent films or scary movies is some way that the soul is sort of meeting its needs to feel alive where we feel that like rush of adrenaline or that anticipation or that sense of awe and danger Um, and it's not that it's like an invalid pathway to that but it to me it's sort of two-dimensional right it's on a screen it's not like your full body being immersed in this experience of aliveness there's also so many false pathways to this in work, right? Many people who are overworking or are busy all the time, that way of living creates heat, right? Like we feel like we're active and we're moving through our life and we're, of course, we're alive. We're like totally, you know, giving everything to work or to our lives or to parenting, but it's not sustainable. And it it can sustain us for a time, but it's like a fire that doesn't have a true Um, long-term heat source or not enough oxygen. If you think of how your body feels after a long difficult hike versus how you feel after a stressful day at the computer, I think you can sense the difference, right? There's activity and there's some heat, but it's not necessarily sustainable and we need more of a balance. We all have those stressful days at the computer or at work or 
just being busy in our lives, but we also need those times where we are exerting physical energy. We are in the elements. We are feeling the sense of awe and smallness and vitality that our ancestors may have felt before civilization, before there was all of this built up, you know, modernity and convenience and comfort. When we give aliveness to our bodies, it awakens aliveness in our souls. And I think the the reverse of this is true as well, that when we honor the vitality of our soul, when we give it what it needs and what it wants, the body benefits as well. And again, this is hard to do in this culture. Death and lifelessness is just pervasive here. And I'm speaking as a white Westerner. It's also pervasive in our workplaces. And you're not crazy or seeing things incorrectly if you just feel the total boredom and nothingness of most jobs and organizations. I just adore everyone that I work with and people in my network who are in sort of traditional organizations and I don't want to shit on these in any way. They are made up of people who have the spark of vitality as all living beings do and some of these jobs and organizations are doing good work but if we sort of zoom out at a higher level without judging anyone I think we can see that these places operate on the assumption that they can control and suffocate your life force (laughs) that they are made up by of people whose flames are often quite dim and that these systems, these organizations, these centers of commerce or um, institutions fear anyone who reflects that dimness back to them or who has a strong fire within them, who challenge uh, the lifelessness that is so pervasive in these places. It is difficult to be alive in this culture and in this economy and in these workplaces. But it's not impossible. So far, as far as I know, the light has always returned. The sun has never died on the night of the solstice. It comes back the next morning. The wheel of the year keeps going. Life will keep going. And I'm wondering what potential we might be able to hold together as we cross this winter solstice? What new visions could we hold in our bodies and start to sing through in our thoughts or in our dreams, in our actions? Visions of aliveness, visions of a life that feels awake and active and interesting to us. Sometimes I wonder, like, is my life interesting to me and some days it's really not. (laughs) Some days it's like this is the most boring life I feel like I could muster. And so when that happens it's really important for me to give myself, my body, my soul experiences, doses of aliveness so that I can remember that I can create and co-create and be in a life that is interesting to me, that feels vital so that I can be awake to visions that are different than, you know, can we grow the economy next year? Or, you know, do we need a new freeway here? Like, those aren't giving us life. Those aren't life 
giving visions. I'm talking about moving through life with visions of gardens everywhere, of wild ecosystems, taking footpaths through neighborhoods instead of cars everywhere. What would it be like if we just didn't see concrete for a while? <laughs> you know, what if I walked through the woods to go to the grocery store? That might be nice, you know? What would it be like to have visions of swimming freely in the rivers and the lakes without any fear of pollution or garbage or oil being dumped by boats? What would it be like to know all of our neighbors or to encounter wildness regularly? What would it be like to dream and get messages from other realms to actually learn the language of the birds right around us? I could go on and on about the new visions that are possible for us. And there's this opening now with how dark the world feels. I think we're beginning to see new little holes of light, new little crevices where there can be something new that grows. If we were out on a very cold winter's night, we could perish if we didn't stay close to a heat source, if we didn't have a fire, if we didn't have our own spark of vitality, if if there wasn't the sun, we would perish. So where in your life are there these sources of true vitality? Where are the people who are truly awake to themselves, to this world, to the places that remind us of our own power and creative force? Where are the animals in your life that move by instinct? Where are the experiences that strike awe in you? That's what we need to stay close to right now. The aspects of our lives that are real, that are like what we can hold on to, that are what make up life. I'm talking about death and birth and spirit and poetry and music and your visions and dreams and the way that you can move your body. We give way too much over to places of lifelessness. We give way too much of ourselves over to consumerism and the consumption of media, to work that creates this false sense of heat. So what if the sun was on the fence about coming back this year? You know, what if the sun sets on the solstice and it's sort of waiting to see if we have what it takes to magnetize it back, to woo it back, to convince it to return and keep life going? How could we show the sun that we are ready, that we are people who are attuned to our own inner light and to our heat, that there is a resonance here? How could we show the sun that this is a friendly and conscious place for it to give its light? You know, I think a lot about collapse, the ways that globally and particularly in the United States, the way that things are falling apart and becoming less stable. And if this is really happening, which I think it is, then how can we survive? And how can we even find new light in this darkness? My working hypothesis right now is that if we will tap into our aliveness and really let it grow daily, if we give less energy over to the places that are dead, the places that wish for our own death, if we can give instead more energy to what it is that makes us feel vital, 
And if we can let that lead us to the people and communities that will help us get through whatever the coming years are going to bring, then we can make it. Being strong in your spirit, in your body, and being deeply rooted to others in your local sphere is not only going to help you live a beautiful life in and of itself, but it will also hold you as the social safety nets that we thought we had continue to fray. And if that sounds grim, I don't mean for it to. I think it's just what actually is happening. But again, we can only see stars in the night when the rest of the sky is dark. The night is always the darkest before the dawn. And I'm I'm not saying that like we're almost through the hardest part and everything's going to be okay. I'm saying that this darkness is essential because I think it's showing us where there's new pathways to aliveness. This period in history that we're in can help us to see and find new sources of light and vitality that were previously hidden because the sort of loudness and neon advertisements of capitalism and oppression and the way that many of us thought was a normal way to live are can fade. And the darker it gets, I think we're starting to see that there are other options. So let's keep going toward what it is that makes us come alive. Let's keep going toward what feels real and vital and has that like heat and edge that we know in our bodies, but that often gets drowned out by other things that are louder or more demanding. I want to share a few words about this book that I'm working on before closing today. Um, I hope it's not premature to share this because I am still working on this book, but the vision is clear and I'm excited and I finally have some momentum. It's been brewing in me for a long time and I, I just want to sort of let it out into the world. I think it's ready. So my hope is that in January I will be sharing a book on the winter season and it's going to be a modest little companion to sort of support you through a winter in your internal life and in your work, a time when you feel kind of lost or untethered or you're in this mysterious experience of liminality, but you're open to the idea that your spring will come again and you want to be with this time with intention. That's what this booklet is sort of designed to support you through. If you want to hear when it's completed and published and ready for you, you can sign up for my email newsletter at the link in the show notes or at awildnewwork.com. I'll be sharing updates with that community. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This is my last episode of 2022, and it has really been a joy to be with you throughout this year. I really love sharing this space, and it always means so much to me to hear from you when an episode lands or helps you to think about yourself or your work differently. I really hope that this podcast has been a source of grounding and inspiration for you in this wild wonky world of the internet and work and all that's here. So thank you for being with me. Take such good care and I'll see you on the other side.